Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jaron Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I just like the communication, you know what I'm saying, with, with the players. I, I think some people on the outside are thinking, what what, the, what does that mean? You know, the, the talk for, for the players, the rallying for the players, the team first attitude um, that you have. I think that, you know, that, that's exciting because, you know, you, you're, you're, you feel that there's some years you go in and you're like, okay, if we hit adversity, which way are we going to go? You know, and and you really don't know until you hit it. Uh, but this team, I feel very confident in, in handling any type of adversity. And, and we'll get adversity, not, not just on the field, but off the field, you know, everything, um, you know, that's going on. And it'll, and it'll be, you know, throughout the year. Uh, but I feel confident in, in this football team being able to handle uh, anything that's thrown at them. That's Doug Moreau. And Daniel Brooks, by the way, says James Robinson earned 1,300 yards after contact last year. He's a beast in FCS. Let's hope he adopts well, adapts well in the NFL. Uh, Trey says, uh, what impact does ro- do rookies have week one? <laughs> he says, will they BBQ or mildew? <laughs> so will they cook or not is what I'm basically getting at. <laughs> I, think. Uh, I thought they misspelled Minshew for mildew. Yeah, but what's the BBQ part? What's the barbecue I, part? I, I thought barbecue, like, on the sideline. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Derek says Robinson won't be in every down back. Chris Thompson's situational options. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I get that. that, that uh, we, we understand that. Um, we'll get to what rookies could make an impact uh, right away, which will be, they'll need to. I yeah. mean, we will get to that. I want to take a look at the depth chart. One quick thing about what Marone just said there. Listen, this is crystal clear that he likes the football team. Yeah. And he did not like the football team the last couple of years. I mean, it's plain as day. Now, that doesn't make you a good football team, but it makes you a coachable football team. The way I view this team is they're a bunch of overachievers. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at James Robinson, for instance. Look at look at Gardner Minshew. Like they are overachievers. Now, what Whoa. that what that means? Like they have historically been overachievers. Okay, I got you. Like, let's give James, James Robinson at least one game to say he's an overachiever, no, no, not no, in no. terms I'm, of what I'm he's just saying. But their makeup in his is career. guys with you. chips on their shoulder, yeah. guys that were doubted, guys. You know, that's the makeup of their football team a little bit. Sure. Not across the board. I mean, Josh Allen's a stud. People expect that. Caleb on Chason's been a stud. Mm-hmm. And they have those guys, but they also have these other guys that. Which, which, by the way, you've been you were that guy, mm-hmm. and and you've been around other players. Those guys are usually bought in. Yep. They're fun to be around. They're fun to coach. Oh, thanks, Brent. Seriously. Go though, on. You know what Go to expect on about these from guys? Them, right? Sure, like, sure. I, was, I tell my kids that all the time. It's one of the most, I think, under-talked about things when it comes to an athlete mm. at any level and coaches is a coach wants to know what to expect. A coach wants to know, like, hey, Brent, I'm rolling you out there, and you know what? I know I'm not getting a 380-foot bomb from you, but I'm going to get good base running, probably solid defense, and you're not going to throw a guy at the plate because your arm sucks. You know, but but I know what I'm getting. Like, you you can do a little of the small things, right? So if you're a coach, you want to be able to know what to get. One of the problems with this football team in the last two years, especially, is they didn't know what the heck they were getting from some of these guys, and Mm -hmm. that's evident. I mean, look at the the roller coaster of performances. Right. And uh, are you going three and one against the Patriots after beating the Patriots and Jets, and then losing nine in a row? I mean, who well, would have thunk it? See, it's that, Brent, and we talked we talked about this a little bit during the break here or one of the breaks. So listen, 
regardless of what you want to think about Dante Fowler, Jalen Ramsey, Yannick Ngakwe, Leonard Fournette, Ronnie Harrison, they obviously didn't work out here in Jacksonville what you're trying to do in terms of building the culture or not. Now, how much falls on those players and how much falls on their coaches, I will leave that up for debate. But one thing is clear. Whether it's your scouting department, whether it's the coaches or the GM, when you were doing your due diligence on these players, you obviously didn't do it enough, right? Because they're not here anymore for a reason. So when you're interviewing these guys, when you're, you know, you're asking them the questions and things like that, something was missed. Something didn't check out and you didn't see the details, right? Because those guys are no longer here. At least I'm going to say this, at least with the smaller school guys, like this guy from Illinois State and James Robinson, there are no, you know, potential red flags. At least I don't feel so. And you can knock Gene Smith all you want. But I think Gene Smith, we talked about this a little bit last week, Brent. Gene Smith, he tried to find the diamond in the rough. Like, that's what Gene Smith was trying to do the whole time. Too much. Too much. And I absolutely agree with you. I'll be the first one to agree with you. Now, thanks for drafting me in the fifth round, Gene. <laughs> thanks for that that's signing bonus, Gene. Hey, thanks for, that, thanks for that signing bonus, Gene. You know what I'm saying? Uh, hey, I appreciate it. But with that being said, though. What kind of though, diamond was that, actually? <laughs> hey, hey, it was, it was like... It was, it was like a Claire's diamond thing, you know, like something you get at Claire's from like the like the, the ear department, where it's not like not the most expensive thing, That's good. but it works. Yeah, you can you can fool some people. And, and definitely better than that quarter that you put in the, the at the supermarket trash bag and, and yeah. getting that yeah. little can, yeah, that what little package. What do you get? A little, little ten year old piece of candy? No, man, you get a Claire's <laughs> earring. So like people think, well, that's a, is that a Claire's? Is that like a, a Zales? I don't know. Looks good. That's what I'm talking about. Regardless of that, though, that's what Gene Smith was trying to do. He was trying to find the diamond. Diamonds in the rough, but he knew one thing, Brent. Regardless if their diamonds are rough or not, the guys that were coming in from the smaller schools, they had those chips on their shoulders. Yeah, that they weren't going to be locker room issues. And I can go back to my draft class. We didn't have any problems. Who's going to have problems in our draft class? Tyson Alou, the most humble guy ever. DeAnthony Smith, the most quietest dude ever. Daisy Kareem from South Southern Illinois. He was just happy to be there. I was happy to be there. So you weren't going to have any problems in terms of the culture building and getting in problems off the field. Now. Obviously, my habits at the Jack's Beach Bar, maybe I got a little lucky sometimes, yes. but there's never any any other problems, you know what I'm saying? So with that being said, when we talk about those SEC guys, when we talk about the, the first round, second round, third round picks, well, they can come with some baggage. So right now what we have with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and James Robinson is a prime example of this. James Robinson is the starting running back right now for your Jacksonville Jaguars, okay? That's an important role. That's an important position. How much time is he going to get? We'll see. But right now, he is the slated starter. The cool thing with James Robinson, at least from Doug Marone's perspective, from Dave Caldwell's perspective, is you never have to worry about the off-the-field issues. You never have to worry about with the culture stuff because James Robinson can't afford to do that. The only reason why James Robinson is where he's at right now is because of the mindset and the chip on his shoulder. He's not going to lose it now. We had a pretty good conversation in, uh, off the air last week, which was interesting, about I think I think was off the air. <laughs> Sometimes I forget, but <laughs> it all blends to that together. Point, see what happened was. If we go back to that conversation, I'll just do it in like two minutes. But Gene Smith stuff, he found maybe those kind of guys. He was looking too hard for the diamond yeah. in the rough, and we know that. And he wasn't very good, and he didn't get enough talented guys. Like you need talent to win, Without and the talent comes out of the SEC and the ACC. And for some reason, Gene didn't want to take it. He just didn't want. You know, he he, he like hard work and lunch pail guys, lunch pail guys, and <laughs> it's gonna be the new Mississippi State bulldog <laughs> bell, lunch pail guys. I and, like it, and so. 
but he didn't do it and get enough talented players. It's the sure. NFL, man. Yeah. This is this is like the best of the best. Yep. You can't win with a bunch of guys that work hard and have chips on their shoulders. You Agreed. need guys that are freaks. Yep. Well, then Dave Caldwell comes in and he gets guys at least starting in 15 and 16, he gets the Jalen Ramsey's, right? The Miles Jack freak athlete, the Dante Fowler's freak athlete. Mm -hmm. So he gets this talent is boosted, in my opinion, big time. But it comes with a little, I would say, question mark in terms of personality traits. You don't know what they're going to be like. Where I think it went interesting is they took those guys in a Gus Bradley world, Mm -hmm. right? In a Mm -hmm. Pete Carroll-esque kind of world, player coach, kind of a looser atmosphere, players take the ownership. Mm -hmm. And they try to then transition to the drill sergeant of Tom Coughlin with those kind of players who they drafted under a Gus Bradley regime. I don't know if we've talked about that enough, but they tried to make those kind of players that would fit if Gus had done well Mm -hmm. and they had won games into a Tom Coughlin way. And sure, did Tom Coughlin have Odell Beckham Jr. and win with some of those? Yeah, at times he did. But I'm talking about a different kind of player that's now going to fit into this 180 kind of world from Gus to Coughlin to the way they were trying to run things. And it's, that's where it kind of, to me, we don't. I don't know if we've talked about it enough, had just fizzled. It blew up. It was like they can't handle it. They it's a could great, not handle it. You know, it's it's a fantastic point. And it's a point that doesn't get really brought up a lot because I think right now, if you were to take Tom Coughlin and put him on the Seattle Seahawks, how would that team do? Yeah, even I think when they were back, good, right? good. I think back to because I, I would say Andy Reid's praises, right? I think Andy Reid was probably the best coach I ever played for. And and you, I mean, how many players got to say they love playing for Andy Reid? Like, how, how could you not love playing for that dude? I was only there for a cup of coffee. I, I was playing a defensive tackle in a three-four defense. It was miserable. But dang, I liked Andy Reid. You know, I wonder that year if I got, you know, let, let, go, let go by Jacksonville, I go to Kansas City, and I know those guys in that locker room and the personalities, those Travis Kelsey kind of types, if you throw Tom Coughlin in that mix, what happens? And to be fair, now that you mention it, I think it would, I think it would implode. I, I, th- I think you would have an absolute nightmare because the style of Andy Reid compared to Tom Coughlin it's night and day. Especially when things start going wrong yeah. a little bit. And we always hear, like, Andy Reid has his type of guys, right? Like, when he drafts guys, he has his type of style guys, whether that's, you know, the short, stocky running backs who are great receivers, a certain type of quarterback, or maybe even a certain type of personality, because he believes that no matter who he drafts, he can get along with them, right? So Andy Reid has a luxury. If you throw a guy like Tom Coughlin into the mix, and now all of a sudden it's more like a dictatorship, that can turn a lot of guys off. It's an interesting point. And so here's the deal. So the Jags get some talent, and now they're trying to go back the other way where you get the guys that are bought in, and they get rid of those crusty guys and personalities. And and I'm not saying none of these guys have personalities, and none of them can't be in bad moods, and some of them aren't going to get personal foul penalties, not across the board. But you're trying to get change that over a little bit. The challenge is, can you get the James Robinsons of the world and maybe hit on one of those guys, but can you continue to get the Chasons, Josh Allens, hopefully LaVisca Chenault, DJ Charks, talent, talent, talent. See, and that's why I do feel like this team's differently set up than 13 or 14. I just named you four or five guys that any team would take. There was hardly a player in 13 that any team would take. There were a couple, but even at the stage (laughs) of their career, you'd wonder if they would take them. And so that's what feels a little different about the makeup of this roster, in my opinion, is that 
Anybody in the NFL would take Josh Allen right now. In a heartbeat. Anybody would probably take Chase on. I think anybody would take Miles Jack. Mm-hmm. I think anybody would, you know, if you say he's going to be healthy, even take a Tyler Eifert type, Chark. a DJ Chark yeah. type. Uh, they would have drafted LaVisca Chenault, all 32 teams, somewhere in the next round probably. Mm-hmm. So you've got those guys. Uh, can you mesh them now with the personality that fits this head coach mm-hmm. or that could fit any head coach? Because that transition did not go well yeah. from Gus's style to Coughlin and Marone's style. And it blew up. And that's how we got to today, essentially. Here's why I'm optimistic about that, though, Brent. Right? Because you just said it. Can those new guys, can they transition to the coach? I'll be honest with you. To me, it doesn't matter right now. Because I look at Josh Allen, just got voted captain. Second year in the NFL. Congratulations to him. Obviously, I think, I mean, we all saw it coming. But still, it's a fantastic honor. And it says a lot about what Josh Allen brings um, to that locker room. If you have guys like Josh Allen, who can be a leader in that locker room, if you have guys like DJ Chark, and he wasn't a captain, but I think he's still one of the leaders in the team, obviously. He's got to be a leader going forward. If you have guys like DJ Chark, who can be those leaders going forward, then you can afford to bring in maybe some of the rougher on the edges guys because you show them how it's done, right? This was this was the biggest gripe with the Gus Bradley era. I was like, you didn't have enough guys. You didn't have enough pillars to show the young guys how to do it. What did Jalen Ramsey know how to do? Jalen Ramsey came in day one and was the man. Okay, um, Yannick Ngakwe, the same thing. Leonard Fournette, the same thing. Like there was never really anybody in front of these guys. Where it's like, hey, this is how we do things here. Like, yeah, yeah, Yannick Ngakwe had Clayus Campbell, but it wasn't really the same position, right? Yeah, because it, it was Dante Fowler and Yannick Ngakwe. Well, he did have, but, but Yannick wasn't a problem, and Yann bought into Calais Campbell. Yeah. See, Jalen didn't buy into Calais Campbell. He's like, I don't care well, what you got to say because he didn't have because he's not the same position. You know what I'm saying? True. So, like, the, so this is my but point. But the leadership, where, you got to buy into the leadership. If it's not the buy, coaches, it yeah. better be the leadership. But it starts with the position group, so that's my point, Brent. We're, I think Chason's going to be fine. You know why? Because he's got Josh Allen, okay? I think Chenault's going to be fine. You know why? Because he's got DJ Chark. Now, is CJ Henderson going to be Yeah, Chris yeah. Conley. Now, the question comes, is CJ Henderson going to be fine? DJ Hayden, hopefully. Yeah. Right? Hopefully. But keep in mind, that's a very, very young cornerback room right now. Yeah. Extremely young. Yeah. So that's a good point. What's the mesh going to look like mm-hmm. is a big part of this. Uh, what do you, I mean, what else on the roster as we take a look at this, uh, there are two other things that could caught my attention on the depth chart. Yeah. Uh, from roster seems like forever ago now. They've added practice squad players. I don't think there were major surprises other than the fact that Luton basically was the second guy. And which I kind of told you Luton I thought would be the second guy, but I, I didn't think, ex- I thought experience would still trump that. Yeah. Well, Glennon's back on the active roster now, so at least they have somewhere to go if they need to. It's really tough to run out Minshew and Luton, two guys that have played a total of 14 games in the NFL, and that be your quarterback room. And listen, I don't think Glennon did much to even earn a spot from yeah. what I saw. But at least you have somebody who's played in the game, played in the league, played under James. Has a little Rudin. experience. <laughs> you need something there. Yeah. I mean, talk about experience. You need Mitch. You can't put all this on Mitch. No. I mean, he's still a young quarterback in the league trying to prove everything here in 2020. But there were two other things that really caught my attention. Tyler Eifert. Listed second on the depth chart, which is really doesn't carry much importance because you play two tight ends a lot and you shuffle them in and out. So it doesn't matter. But I think it's more of a nod to James O'Shaughnessy. There's a lot of respect for James O'Shaughnessy in that building. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was just a guy even going all the way back a few years back. Now, he's stuck on this roster through injuries. He showed some good moments at times early last year with Minshew. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be maybe their top guy. At the tight end spot, although I think Eifert will have a big role. Yeah. Um, 
am I surprised that James O'Shaughnessy right now, at least according to the depth chart, is the number one tight end? You better believe it. Who wasn't surprised about that? You have Tyler Eifert. Look at that. But at the same time, am I upset about it? Absolutely not. And here's why. All I want, listen, all I need Tyler Eifert to do, Brent, is when it's either third and long or you're in the red zone, go out there, run a seam route, Gardner Minshew, throw the ball up, and Tyler Eifert, use that big base, use that body, and get a touchdown or get a first down. That's all I need you to do. Yes, I understand that you're respectable in the run game. Yes, I understand that you're that dual threat, you know, tight end that can be pretty productive in the receiving game and the run game. I get all that, man. But guess what? You were brought here for one reason, and that's to grab touchdowns and to get first downs. So if that means that you're going to play maybe a fraction less than Jando Shaughnessy, I'm cool with that as long as we keep you healthy, as long as you do what you are brought here to do, and that's catch the football and make the big plays. So with that being said, I'm not mad at it. I think if James O'Shaughnessy gets a couple more reps just because maybe he's younger, maybe he's the fresher guy, then so be it. To me, the biggest thing with Tyler Eifert, at least to start out the season, is making sure this guy's 100% or at least as close to 100% as possible and then letting him dominate in the red zone. Yeah, the other big surprise for me was Adam Gotsis listed at, listen, they have problems, they have depth problems. Problems, no yeah. doubt, okay? But ahead of Dewan Smoot. I thought Smoot coming off a six-sack season. Yeah. Uh, now, Gotsis is a guy who's done things before and played at a pretty good level. Mm-hmm. Uh, former second-round pick. We had him on the show a couple weeks back. Yep. Uh, that was interesting to me. I, I, I thought Gotsis would make the team. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know where we would fit in the rotation. And now they've got him listed as the guy opposite Josh Allen. Yeah, I'm a little surprised because I kind of say in the praise of Dwayne, Dwan Smoot a little bit of how good his footwork looked and how just, you know, I mean, watching him go through drills, he looked fantastic. But I will say this about Gatsis real quick. What was the one thing I said that he does really well? More better than anything. Do you remember? Stop yeah. the run. Exactly. Okay. Um, it shows up on film. Uh, his old teammates used to say in Denver that I read articles about, like, this guy can stop the run. And I think when you analyze the biggest – Red flag, the biggest question mark going into the season right now, especially week one against the Annapolis Colts, is what? Can you stop Marlon Mack? Can you stop Jonathan Taylor? Yes, you have Phillip Rivers, but let's be honest. This Colts offensive line, they're going to try to pound the rock. So with that being said, can you stop the run? At least in the past, your starting defensive end, your starting big end, has been able to do that. Listen, D.D. Westbrook pushed way down the list at wide receiver right now. That could yeah. be a little injury, but that could that also be a little bit of – we don't have a lot of confidence in Didi. Uh, is is it injury related or is it depth related? Is how much of this is on Didi? This is a prove it year for Didi Westbrook, and I'm not saying he's in the doghouse here. But you got Chris Conley and Lavisca Chenault ahead of him at least on this part of the depth chart, and you know you got DJ Chark on the other side as well. Mm-hmm. And Keelan Cole has slid up the depth chart yeah. because he had a tremendous camp. Didi Westbrook in trouble for snaps? Well, listen, in terms of injury. I don't buy into that because the guy's still the starting par returner, right? So yeah, if, you're, if, you're, if you're really concerned about his injuries, why you put him out there on the punt team? Yeah, so, true. um, yeah, I, I just think it's a matter of what this team has seen so far, um, during training camp, uh, what the past has shown, and I guess what Gruden can visualize in his offense. I'll be honest, I man. I, I thought D.D. Westbrook, by the time they signed Gruden, would be a, a, a surefied, bona fide starter. But you got guys like LaVisca Chenault. You said Keewan Cole had a fantastic camp. All of a sudden, you go down the, the you know the, the board a little bit, and now you're on the outside looking in. It, it can be one if it's a personal message. Maybe it's uh, a little motivation to D.D. Westbrook, if you will, but not a good sign when you got a lot of guys ahead of you right now. A couple other things here that are of, of interest for me, and, and they're not necessarily who's in order of what, but just give you a little sunshine and rainbows right now. Here we go. 
on a on a cloudy Monday, if you will. The okay, I'm going to go with no, the, what I was going to say. I'm going to say second. Okay. My, I have two points of sunshine and rainbows. We talk a little bit. Of, we talk a lot about how young this football team is. But if you really take into consideration their offense, is it as young as we believe it is? Like their first team, their on their depth chart, mm-hmm. offense and defense really has quite a bit of NFL experience. Now it's got some young guys on it, albeit, but it's got quite a bit of their offensive line. Jawan Taylor's in year two. Everybody else has played for this is fourth year or more in the NFL. That's some pretty good, and it's got consistency there because they now played together last year. Mm-hmm. Eifert, obviously, and O'Shaughnessy bring experience. Chark's now in his third year. Conley's been around six years. Uh, you know, Minshew obviously is young. He's in his second season. Uh, and Keelan Cole is even now somewhat of a vet in the NFL. I mean, listen, if you're a four-year guy, you're old in the NFL. Yeah. So are they as young? Is this narrative of his being as young as we all have said? Youngest football team in the league, a ton of guys, rookies, 16 of them, 24 players that are first or second year guys. Are we overplaying that narrative based on some of the experience, at least their first team looks like they have on, on their depth chart? Yeah, I mean, listen, when you talk about young and old teams, you start with the starters, right? Like, yeah, I mean, the, the back end, they're, they're always going to be young, right? Because the NFL every single year, they go towards the younger guys because they, they're less expensive. Simple as that. So as I do break down the offense, you know, and like you, you did a great job of doing, I mean, yeah, they do have some experience there and on defense, kind of the same thing a little bit. I mean, I guess when I think, though, in terms of young Brent, like, yeah, age is one thing, but also just playing – I go to the defense because right, I'm a defensive guy. So I, got, I look at guys like Gottis right now. And then I look at guys, obviously, like Joe Schober. And I look at guys like a Leon Jacobs, you know, and a Josh Jones. Like, to me, and C.J. Henderson. And, like, to me on defense, they're extremely young. Not only because some of, it's some of their first years, but also because they, have, they haven't played in the system. Yeah, they, they, they haven't, haven't played in, in Jacksonville. Well, they haven't so been in that position to start like Gossis is not getting that many reps or games or whatever yeah. potentially yeah. i mean i'm just using this as an example he's, he's actually played quite a bit in the nfl exactly and like joe schober yes he has some experience in the nfl but he's never played in this type of system before yeah, with these enough. kind of guys so like to me well then you're still young right like it's simple as that so on offense i'll be honest i'm not as worried as some people are probably are right now in terms of the youth but on defense, I have to be. Okay, so here's my second little piece of sunshine and rainbows about a narrative that's been really strong. And, and we've played it, too. Uh, I'm guilty of it. Yeah. The young nar- youth narrative mm-hmm. and this one. The defensive line, because of attrition, we've seen a lot of guys go away. We know the Marcel Dariuses and Calais Campbells and now Yannick Ngakwes. Yeah. But if I give you this, uh, just one if, how much better do you feel about their defensive line and their depth there if Taven Bryan shows capability? Okay, so I'm going to play that if, who's looked pretty good in camp one available. He's back from injury, uh, but he's looked pretty good. And they, they purposely kept him out for a while. He could have played even a, a week and a half ago. If Taven Bryan comes to form mm. and is what they've expected and kind of builds off what we just saw the last month and what they've insinuated the last month, you have Josh Allen, who everybody loves. Mm. Avery Jones has been, been a good pro. You have Taven Bryan, who's now ready to take this step. Again, that's a big if on this. I understand. That's the Sunshine of Rainbows part of this. Gotsis is a former second-round guy who's now playing in, I think, his fifth season in the NFL and who's shown the ability to yeah. stop the run. But he's come up an injury, keep in mind, though, too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. You don't have to agree with me. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm trying just, to sell you. I'm just saying that. Okay, I got you. And then you got Chase on, who people believe are is a good talent, right? Yeah. Behind you. People would sign up for Josh Allen and Caleb on Chase on right now. How could you not? 
Devon Hamilton has shown some stuff, but we still need to see some stuff. Correct. Uh, no doubt. Uh, to me, that's probably their weakest spot if, again, Taven Bryan plays well. I like Timmy Jernigan, man. Timmy Jernigan becomes your backup guy at three technique right now, and I think that's some great depth right there. Uh, and that's not something we've talked about in terms of depth on the defensive line. He could very and well then, be a starter. And then Dewan Smoot, who had six sacks last year and played that role as a backup pretty well. Mm-hmm. My point being, yeah, it's not 2017. But is this defensive front... With those eight guys, again, if Taven Bryan comes to life, mm-hmm. better than we're giving it credit for. Well, listen, when we're talking about defensive front, to me, it starts with one thing, Brent. It's stopping the run, right? Well, let's be honest. You, you have to stop the run this year. Like, that was evident last year. Teams watched last year's film. Teams know right now that you can be exposed um, in the run game. Now, you probably also be exposed in the pass game as well because it's such a young secondary. But let's get them in the run game real quick. It all starts in the interior, okay? I don't care if you have two legit, bona fide, all-pro edge rushers. If you don't have the interior, that starts with, you know, the, obviously the linebacker, the three technique, and the nose t- tackle. It doesn't matter how good your edge defenders are. Obviously, I think the Jaguars right now on their edge, we, we love it, man. All right? I mean, Josh Allen, Chase on, like getting after the quarterback, it's not going to be an issue, I feel like, on the edge. But once again, stopping the run, could that be an issue? You mentioned Gotsis a little bit. Yes, he he is a beast and absolutely stopping the run. Coming off a little bit of an injury, though, right? Once again, a little newer of a system. Keep in mind, when Vic Fangio came in, Gotsis was kind of on the way out, he right? Because he, he got pushed out. Now, in that system, which I played in before, you asked a little more, right? You, you have to play a little more of a two-gap technique and things like that. He's not going to be doing that here. Simplified here. Exactly. But here, though, you're still putting that big-end technique, right? So you're taking on double teams. It's not just straight one-on-one. So can he handle that job? We'll see. that. That's a little bit of a question mark right now. See, I feel like you're sunshine and rainbows, and I'm like I'm like no, the... That's a, no, you're more probably reality. Maybe. And yeah. what I'm just saying is the narrative has become so deep in the last three weeks that this team is young and sucks at all, at defensive line. Yeah. And I'm just saying, hey, like to me, Taven Bryan's the most important player on this defense right now. Yeah. He's the most out. important player. I know they're young in the secondary. In fact, I think they're going to struggle at times in the pass game. I think C.J. Henderson's probably a pretty good player, but I think he's going to take some... Some lumps here in the in the early going. Mm-hmm. I've said that since the day he was drafted. That doesn't mean he's going to be a bust. Doesn't mean he's not going to be a Pro Bowl or someday. But I think he's going the adjustment. I think he's going to get beat up a little bit at times. I think Taven Bryan becomes one of the most important people on this defense to at least save face. I'm not talking about being an elite defense here. Yeah. I'm talking about being an average defense, being able to get people off the field or create third down situations so you can use Josh Allen and Caleb on chase on. To me, Taven Bryan is such an important part of this. And quite frankly, I like Timmy Jernigan back there, and you know you're going to shuffle other guys in. Mm-hmm. But maybe what you're saying, I mean, is Gotsis more important? Is Avery Jones more important? Who becomes the most important part of that defensive line, especially on first and second downs? Listen, to, to me, it's still the same answer when I said who's the most important player this year on the defensive line when he was playing. It's Rodney Gunter. All right? I said he was the most important piece of this defensive line because without a bona fide three technique, you can't rush the passer. Your, your edges get exposed a little bit with double teams and chip blocks and you lose the offense's respect. So with that being said, well, Gunter's gone, so I have to go with Taven Bryan. Yes, Taven Bryan right now is the most important part of this defensive line. How confident am I? Yes, he showed flashes last year, right? But I need I need a guy like Calais Campbell. When he's out there, he's going to be Mr. Dependable, right? And we're not going to ask him to get you know 25 tackles for losses or 10 tackles, whatever he, Calais Campbell's had. All I need, though, is disciplined 
football. All I need for you is to be in the right spot at the right time, good pad level, and not get blown out. Um, simple as that. Keep in mind this too, Brent. Defensive line. Take a look at the, the safeties and the strong side linebacker as well because I, I can see Todd Wash bringing uh, strong side linebackers down, bringing safeties down to try to help with this defensive line a little bit. I don't think right now on paper this defensive line is good to hold their own just the way they are. I think they're going to need some help. So, uh, I, so I think you're going to you're going to see a strong safety in Josh Jones. I think you'll see Leon Jacobs or Cassius Marsh come down and help out in the line a little bit. So they're just as important at, in stopping the run um, as the defensive linemen are. Both sides of the ball, Jags need people to surprise us. They, they yeah. need to play to their potential and maybe even above at times. I mean, that's what they've tasked this roster with. Mm-hmm. That's that's reality. I mean, I can find a little of Sunshine and Rainbows here or there, but that's reality. They need guys to overperform or perform to what their expectation level is. They really can't a lot of, uh, they really can't afford a lot of underperformances. Correct. On this team, Correct. it's hard to make up for it. And so they're going to have to do a lot of little things well uh, here in Jacksonville. Let's take a look at the Colts when we come back. Also a little FSU at four. They have a game week, too. What's the latest coming out of Tallahassee? Uh, We've got a long way to go here still. Hope you're doing well on a Tuesday. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Jump in the conversation on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and even Twitch. You can always give us a call at 904-362-9901 or star star 690. Brent Martineau. They probably already have one. Cornholing. Austin Lane. <laughs> you can have a call from PR in a little bit here. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Oh, man, I don't know. Times change everything. You know, uh, I'm moving past that. My times, that was great. Uh, I made a bond with a lot of coaches and some of the players as my brothers for life. And some of the coaches I built a relationship with. And uh, things happened. I guess it wasn't God's plan. God had other, thing, had other things for me to do. And to see, and uh, I'm moving on from it. That is Leonard Fournette today in Tampa. We're at number 28 now. And finally, in his words, has a quarterback. He definitely has a quarterback. Finally, or for the first time, I think the quote was, first time in my career I've got a quarterback. Is that... See, sometimes I, I believe that these guys... Like, I'm not sure I'm I'm hammering Fournette for saying that. Like this is where I get I get I gotta be really careful not to be contradictory. Well, be careful because the the organization's watching too, Brent. The Jaguars are watching right now. Yeah, go ahead and carry that pail. Well, here's the thing. I think when you ask guys, this is what I always wrestle with. When I when I ask a question to a player, mm-hmm. I'd like a legitimate answer, a genuine answer. Mm-hmm. And so, if Leonard's given his opinion on something like, "Hey, this is the first time I really feel like I've got a quarterback." Is he that far off? Is that a dig on Minshew? Is that a dig on Bortles? Is that a dig on Foles? Or is it what Leonard saw up close, the same thing that everybody else saw? Listen, we're impressed with Minshew. We like Minshew. We think he's better than other people think, but he still hasn't proven a whole lot in the NFL. That's not unfair to say. And maybe Gardner, who I'm sorry, uh, Leonard, who obviously wanted Cam Newton in, wasn't a huge fan of, of Gardner Minshew. And and. He's speaking the truth, and now we're going to hammer him for speaking the truth or at least giving his opinion on it. So that's where I try to get a little – I'm not sure this was a dig as much as maybe Leonard, from his opinion, yeah. being genuine about, listen, Bortles didn't work out. Bortles mm-hmm. isn't even in the league right now. Foles wasn't good here mm-hmm. when he played. Mm-hmm. Henny is a backup and is never going to be a starter. And Minshew will see. Leonard might be wrong about Minshew. 
But he might not be wrong about Minshew either. There's a lot of people around the country who don't think Minshew's going to be the guy. Listen, in the case revolving Leonard Fournette, and if he's speaking any lies in terms of the quarterbacks that he's played with, you know what, Brent? I'll be honest with you. I see no lies. Okay, now once again, we'll see with Gardner Minshew how that pans out. But this goes back to the point that I've been trying to echo now for the past couple weeks or so. Whenever some team in the past couple years, let's go back. Let's go back four years ago. All right, let's go back four. Actually, let's go back three years because that's how far Leonard has been here for. Let's go back three years, okay? And let's think of every single game the Jacksonville Jaguars played in. Let's think about their opponents, everything like that, their division rivals, all that good stuff. If you're a defensive coordinator trying to plot out a way to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, who do you put on the board first where you have to stop? Leonard Fournette. Ten times out of ten, it's Leonard Fournette. Then it's everybody else. Then it was DJ Chark for a little while, right? Then I'm trying to think. Uh, then it was probably like, was Alan Hearns here before that? Yeah. Then it was Alan Hearns for a little bit. And it's about, I mean, I don't know. Like, give, give me some more playmakers. I'm trying to prove a point here. Give me some more playmakers. Well, I mean, 17, it, it really wasn't. I mean, you had yeah. Marquise Lee and you had Alan Hearns. Robinson was hurt. Yeah. And you had Mercedes Lewis. But, sure. I mean, people weren't game planning for those guys. And they weren't game point. planning for Blake Bortles either. And they weren't playing game planning for Bortles. They were stacking the box. Yeah, and all due respect to Minshew last year, but guess what? They weren't game planning for Gardner Minshew last year. So with that being said, and if you're a running back, man, and and your paychecks and your livelihood is dependent on how many yards you get, how many touchdowns you get, well... That wasn't helped out when every single team was stacking the box. That wasn't helped out when every single team was going to the quarterback saying, hey, Blake Bortles, hey, Gardner Minshew, you beat us. Because Fournette's not going to beat us. So to me, if I'm a running back, that's frustrating, man. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah, and that's – well, I'm, I'm just being honest here. Yeah. I'm trying not to be hypocritical mm-hmm. and say – I don't know if this was just him speaking honestly. And again, that doesn't mean he's right. Yeah. You know, Bortles had a very good December in 2017. He had some moments in January as well. He did get help there. Now, across the board, was he good? No. But for his, actually, his rookie year with Bortles, he was the best Bortles we'd seen, <laughs> sure. quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Leonard in 2018 cost this team just as much as anybody else. Couldn't get on the field, he had issues off the field he was a problem in the locker room at times you know you just had immaturity issues in 18 i mean that's that's the book on 2018 season for leonard fournette again take some accountability for that and in 19 now you have nick Foles coming in and gardner Minshew, and Foles doesn't live up to the hype that's not the philadelphia version of nick Foles. and Minshew is a young quarterback who probably made mistakes at times Mm -hmm. and sometimes was very good so and and it just is interesting the juxtaposition of these comments about the quarterback after we heard Gardner talk last week yeah. and say, well, the good thing about young players, we don't have a lot of egos in here. That seemed a bit directed at Leonard Fournette, at maybe a bunch of guys, but at Leonard Fournette. And you'll wonder if this seemed directed at Gardner Minshew. Here's what Leonard Fournette said today in Tampa about the quarterbacks. Football is football. I've been playing the same game for 25 years. I mean, for the first time in my life, I, re- I really have a quarterback. So that's an eye-opener for me. And not a lot of pressure comes comes. It's going to come on me. You know, I guess it's going to be a lot of with me and him and a lot of other guys on the offense. But uh, as far as, like, game planning and change things, it's, it's great for me. You know, I'm happy to be back there with one of the greatest, well, the greatest that played this game. And I get to learn from him, too. 
you know, my uh, I guess my first two days there was sitting there talking to him about the defenses, what he expected, what I expect from him, you know, expectations because, you know, it's high right now. But we have to start with each other on the team, you know, to, to understand each other and you know, get a better communication skills with each other first before anything. Yeah, and so that's Leonard Fournette today. And, and again, it sounds in print. It sounds in headline form like mm-hmm. it's a shot at everybody who's played quarterback here. And uh, quite frankly, I don't think a lot of guys would disagree with how Foles performed here and what Bortles did here uh, and their quarterback situation. I mean, the way it's been. Now, Minshew's a different animal. Mm-hmm. Minshew, I don't think we've seen enough. I don't think that's fair to him to say he's not a good quarterback, but he did play with a rookie quarterback. And if you get the point in the context, he's basically saying since Pop Warner, since high school, since LSU, he had to carry the load is what he's saying. And and I think in a sense this is a compliment to Tom Brady, of course, saying I got a chance to play with Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. That guy gets all the pressure. I get to kind of do my thing. So I don't know. It's funny. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm ripping Ronnie Harrison over the weekend for his parting shot. Yet I don't feel, if I'm being completely honest, that this was necessarily a major dig at Minshew specifically, uh, more so than the reality of kind of Leonard Fournette's football career. He he has not played with an elite quarterback. Uh, It's just it's hard not to ignore what he said to Cam about Cam Newton. And then Minshew's comments last week, and now this. It seems like it's come in a succession where there's a little something going on between Minshew and Fournette. See, I'm not going to quite buy into that. I'm going to buy into the fact that as Leonard Fournette has been reflecting on his career here in Jacksonville, it's a career of frustration. Yeah, It's a it's a career of just piled on frustration because, man, I'm telling you, I, I know how these defensive meetings work. You know, And I'm reminded, I want to go back to 2010. Okay, and I want to go back to Everbank Field at the time. We were playing the Cleveland Browns. All right, the Cleveland Browns had a quarterback by the name of Colt McCoy. They had a running back by the name of Peyton Hillis. Now, Peyton Hillis, you probably never heard of him before, and you know what? I don't blame him if you have. But Peyton Hillis was on the cover of Madden. Okay, now whether that was earned or given to him, regardless, he's on the cover of Madden. Everybody for a little bit was talking about Peyton Hillis. We only had one job that year back in 2010 against the Cleveland Browns. Peyton Hillis does not run the ball against us. I don't care about Colt McCoy. I don't care about anybody else. I don't care. I forgot who even the receivers are. All I remember is Peyton Hillis. And that was that was shoved down our throats at practice. It was shoved down our throats watching meeting, you know, watching film. And it was shoved down our throats in position meetings. Like we had one job to do. Well, guess what? Peyton Hillis, you know, how many yards he had? Forty-eight out of twenty-something carries. So we did a great job. Now we lost the game. I think we lost. It was like in the 20s. All I remember is that we gave up a, a fumble. The offense did. So our defense did a job, regardless of that. But my point is, when you key around one guy at the running back position and you don't respect the quarterbacks, maybe you don't respect the receivers, it makes it very hard. You remember Derrick Henry, man. Derrick Henry, last year, off to a, an, a mediocre start at best. Ryan Tannehill comes in, and everyone's like, oh, that's Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Well, guess what, man? Ryan Tannehill demanded respect. He demanded attention so much that teams – Start having to respect him a little bit. And then they, start, they stopped crowding the box up because now you have A.J. Brown. Now you had Sanu. And you had Corey Davis, but that is what it is there. But you had guys that could take the tension off Derrick Henry. And when that happened, you saw what Derrick Henry did, right? So I think Leonard Fournette is frustrated from the standpoint of he's, at least from his perspective, he felt like he's had to do it himself the entire time. What's your take on Fournette in Tampa? You think, uh, I'm mixed on it. There's a part of me that's like, they're so crowded in that room. Yeah. And if it doesn't work in the first three or four weeks, 
And, and again, I'm not saying Fournette's going to be a problem. I'm just saying maybe he's not the right fit, not the the guy getting all the carries, the, the guy that meshes well with their offense, whatever it is. I, I don't know how that's going to work. There's a part of me that's like, I'm not sure if he's going to make it through the year with them because they're so crowded. Now, in the in a world of injuries and everything else, that probably is a bit surprising. And then there's this other part of me when Ty told me he picked him and then he got and and the Jags released him yeah. and he's like Ty's like where's he going to land? Where's he going to land? I, I I was like why well, you pick yeah I picked him. I was like <laughs> and then later in the week I was like Ty. You just hit a home run, man. Yeah. You picked Fournette. I think he's going to score a bunch of touchdowns yep. for Tampa. Like yep. That's the side I'm leaning on. I actually think he's going – I don't think he's going to have a 1,000-yard year. Me neither. But I do think he will score – Like I think he has a chance to score double-digit touchdowns. Yeah. Is that crazy? No. But listen, I've been very adamant about this. To me, it reminds me of when LeGarrette Blunt went to New England. Yeah, you And, and what they did with him, right? Because of all things right now, we're pretty – sure that this Tampa Bay offense is going to be electric this year. How can they not be? Like, they're too big to fail. You have way too many weapons. And when you're electric, and when you're too big to fail, you're going to have a lot of red zone opportunities. When you have a lot of red zone opportunities, that means you get a lot of goal line work. To me, Leonard Fournette's going to be the goal line guy. Or he's going to be the guy on third and one, or, you know, on fourth and two, whatever, where you got to convert it. To me, Leonard Fournette is that guy. Now, Peyton Barber, you know, he's Peyton Barber's kind of the, the, the jack of all trades, and so far, you know, I mean, obviously Bruce Arians is very into him. I'll be honest with you, I've had him a couple of years in fantasy. I never really saw the hype too much. Now we'll see what this is with Tom Brady in a, in a dynamic offense, what Peyton Barber can do. But I just know when it comes down to the goal line, Leonard Fournette's getting the ball. Yeah, I think he will too. I think he will. It'll be really interesting to see. A little bit later in the week, I want to talk about uh, Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady. Are, are, we, are we almost... I don't know if people are talking about Rivers in the same way they're talking about Brady, although both guys have been trending down. I mean, they really have. Even Brady has been trending down. Is that the Patriots' fault? Is that Tom's fault? Is that father time? We'll talk about that a little bit later in the week, especially when we look at the Colts a little bit more. By the way, FSU at 4. we got a game week. Georgia Tech. Florida State, 3.30. Last night we had the debut of the Mike Norvell Show with Florida State football right here on ESPN 690. Want to let you know, Florida State football fans, we are your home for Florida State football and basketball right here on ESPN 690 in the Jacksonville area and beyond. Welcome home, Knowles fans. They're right here on ESPN 690. An hour to go, we talk more football, a little bit of NBA playoffs, plus give me one thing from the weekend, and I need a fight camp update as your fight is now four days away. It's all on the way on ESPN 690. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com. 